we built a phone monster in the house. So this is a sweet shoe box with construction paper teeth and a dragon tail. And Evie will look at me, my two and a half year old, and say, Mom, it's time to feed the phone monster. And she will take my pink phone and put it in that monster's mouth. I cut a hole out. And she's right, because I'm not there with her. And I, again, do better with accountability. So my two and a half year old is keeping me present. Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery and welcome to season two of the podcast. We had season one. We did. Which was 263. 263 episodes long was our first season of the show. This season is going to be slightly shorter. Yes. So what's the reason for this season business, Brooke? Well, this season will be shorter. It will have eight episodes. Mm -hmm. And the reason, we spoke about it at the end of last year, but essentially what we discovered in 2018 is that we, what we rediscovered, I should say, in 2018, is that it is not possible to continue to add things to life and expect things not to change, right? To expect our time and our energy to expand infinitely. And we realized how much we love doing the podcast, but also how much we want to start doing other things. I mean, yeah. your work has taken a step up. Mm-hmm. I'm doing other things, working mm-hmm. on other books. Uh, and the podcast was something we didn't want to let go of, but we also wanted to create boundaries around our time and our energy. Yeah. So I don't th- want to say this was a compromise because it's very like... Oh, it was very intentional. Very intentional that we were going to do this. And we also had in our minds that... Maybe some episodes last year, particularly with us, were, I don't know, not, it felt a bit like quantity over quality. Well, it just felt like we were beholden to this idea of week in, week out. Yeah, exactly. And that is not a great place from which to create. Be be creative. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So what I want is to be able to structure our time and our energy and our creative work for the podcast in a way that we don't have to scramble for content you know it's always Mm. going to be really fantastic conversations every week and then we take time off exactly so welcome to season two welcome to season two you might have already heard a change where we've got a quote at the start of the the episode uh so for those playing along at home that voice was jackie carr my guest today yeah so if you did listen to the show last year you may have heard me talk about jackie she is a she's a, a goals coach and also an incredible public speaker. So I spoke to Jackie and asked for her help before the book tour. And she worked with me over a number of sessions to help me really nail down my headspace before the book tour uh, and why I was finding public speaking so daunting. And she also helped me work through, you know, what I would say at events and, and how I would think about events and how I would process it. And honestly, the work that she helped me with had such an enormous impact on last year and it made me feel like the events were something that I enjoyed whereas yeah. previously speaking had terrified me mm. and I have Jackie to thank for that so looking at this season and how I wanted it to, to be structured 
it's not really the beginning of the year anymore, but it's the beginning of February. Yeah. So the hump of, you know, New Year's resolutions has probably passed. Everyone's kind of slipping back into how <laughs> they were. And this is often the time of year where we start to think about the deeper question mm. of change mm. and goals and values. Mm. And this is Jackie's sweet spot. So that's why she's the first guest. First cap off the rank. She is. And before we get into my conversation with Jackie, mm-hmm. there's just one more thing that we want to announce, which is Patreon. Yeah. We've used it very casually over the last couple of years, and we've got mm-hmm. a wonderful kind of core of supporters over there. But for a long time, I've thought that it's there's such an opportunity there to develop something really valuable for people who listen to the podcast. So this year, we are changing it up. We're turning it into the Slow Experiment Club. Yes. So Slow- pumped for this idea. It's, Love it. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And what I think, look, it's going to evolve over time. Mm-hmm. But essentially for anyone who signs up to Patreon as a supporter of, of any, any amount per mm-hmm. month, from mm-hmm. as little as a dollar a month, mm-hmm. you will get access to the club. Yeah. The, and the, every, the Slow Experiment Club. We're going to kind of stretch the idea of experimentation out over, let's say, a season. Yeah. And each season... Uh, we're going to to experiment with something. Mm. The first experiment of 2019 will kick off in March and we're going to look at how to slow your social media use. It's going to be it's it's going to be something that you can put in as much or as little time as you want. But essentially I see so many people struggling with the mindless scrolling mm. of social media and the impact that it has on their headspace. And I want to help you start to slow that down and get a lot more intentional with it. So if you are already a Patreon supporter, you're in. You're you, in the club. You're in the club. Uh, and if you want to join in, head over to patreon.com slash slow and you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and you'll know that that money is going towards helping us keep the podcast running, the lights on, uh, and you'll also get to hang out and we'll do some fun experiments together this year. Love the experiments. For more on this episode, head over to slowyourhome.com slash season two. And for more on Jackie, you can visit... Uh, visit Jackie Carr, J-A-C-K-I-C-A-R-R.com and rockyourblissmovement.com. As always, those links, all of the resources we mentioned in the podcast will be in our show notes. So head to slowyourhome.com slash season two. Season two. And enjoy our conversation. Hey, Jackie, how are you? Hey, Brooke. So great to be connected again. It I is, love hearing your voice. Oh, it's such a delight talking to you. Uh, you just, I'm just going to put it straight out there from the get-go. You and the help that you gave me back in sort of March, April of this year before I headed out on the book tour, it was just the most instrumentally powerful stuff that, that you helped me kind of work through. Like you sat me down and yeah. worked through values and belief and, you know, living above the line and all this kind of stuff. And just publicly, I wanted to thank you because it made all the difference during what was a pretty full-on period. And I feel like I got through the other side relatively intact because of you. So thank you. Mm. Oh my gosh. Let me just receive that. That was so, what a great way to start. I've been practicing saying you're welcome. Uh, I think that's something we often try to sideswipe. I even heard myself doing it. I was like, oh, what can I say? I'm like, oh wait, pause, receive. You're welcome. And it was truly a pleasure. And honestly, when you reached out, I was like, oh, someone famous is calling me. <laughs> <laughs> I loved our conversation. You're so down to earth and grounded. And 
I was like, OMG, a published author. This is it. I've reached the big time. So know that like I totally enjoyed working with you and I watched you like through Instagram and, and touching base sporadically on your tour and was just rooting for you the whole time. And it was such a pleasure to see you rock it and succeed so massively. So congrats. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. um, It's been a trip. <laughs> so <laughs> understatement of the year this conversation we're recording it towards the end of the year but it's not going to hit people's ears until new year sometime and one of the things I really wanted to dive into with you is your work around values because I think that the new year obviously you know January February people start really thinking about what they want this year to represent uh and that begs the question of I mean what's important to us what are our values what are our highest priorities and this is something that you work so closely with people to develop and, you know, to clarify how, I mean, first of all, how do you help people define their values? Yeah, great question. And pause, great note. In the time of the new year, oh, this is so fun. Happy new year, everyone. Uh, happy January. <laughs> it's such an interesting energetic current that happens when resolutions are on everyone's Instagram feed or at the top of every conversation. And to me, there's so much pressure to change, 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 be better, be better this year. You can do it. New year, new you, right? And what I love about the values conversation is the space to meet yourself right where you're at and ground your sweet bare feet on the earth and create a foundation that serves you. This isn't new year, new you. I'm sorry, everyone. We don't get a blank slate all the time. I know, I know, January 1 looks so sweet. However, listen, we all have great stuff to bring forward with us. Yes, there's plenty of crap to leave in 2018. However, there's so many parts of us alive and well that are thriving. And I find my values as a filtration system to know what those are. And like you said, create priorities from that space. So when I work with people, I'm listening for what clicks, mm. listening for what matters, that value, y'all, that like, and you know, Brooke, that it straightens your back up a bit and, right. and, and you, you actually feel centered. That is really the conversation of, of core values or soul values. Like we do at Rock Your Bliss and in defining them is where I took values to the next level for me because I could have a value like nature, which Brooke is one of my values. Yes. And yet I could see other people living it so many different ways and be like, oh, lucky. Oh my God, I want to be in Banff. I'd like to be in Australia. Da, 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 da. And so then my values become comparative. Right. And when I define them in my own language, for me and have my clients do the same, it allows us ownership and uniqueness for how the word serves us as an individual and then provides guidance to our priorities. So being able to not get on other people's feeds or lives and see how they define it. I'm fine with you being inspired, but coming back to your truth and what those words mean to you, hello, second click. Like word click and then defining it is when you actually integrate it into your body, into your being. Right. Because I think so much of the pressure and stress comes 
firstly around this time of year, but also just around this conversation of values is, well, you know, I'm living my values, but it doesn't look like I thought it should, you know? And I think that part of, of what you're saying as well is maybe let go of the expectation of what it should look like right? <laughs> and instead, you know, click into the expectation or to what you want it to feel like, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of let the result be what it is. Because I don't know about you, but when I have expectations on, on changes in my life, uh, and I, I expect them to look a particular way, almost invariably I'm disappointed by the outcome because it's we we cannot possibly predict what it's going to look like and yet we attach these images of other people's values, other people living these amazing lives to what we think it should look like for us and then we kind of feel less than no matter what we've we've managed to change. Yeah, absolutely. We get into this like go big or go home mentality yeah. and listen, I... I'm a go big person myself. And when we do that, so for example, I talk to a lot of people who have adventure as a value. And then of course, adventure is a passport stamp, huge travel vacation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that sounds dreamy. And then I ask them, what does adventure look like to you tomorrow in your own backyard? And they're like, oh, what? And when you have a value that you're living, yes, there's the big juicy piece and chunk of it. However, when you're aligned to your values, you're most likely able to operate and live by them every day if you're conscious enough, if you slow down, if you pause and check in. And so your adventure could be buying three people coffee at the coffee shop because that makes me so vulnerable. I cry and I do it. It takes me out of my comfort zone. And that's an adventure. And a lot of people, like you said, we perhaps tunnel vision or pigeonhole ourselves in how big it has to be. And yet look at the depth of the definition so that we can be fully alive in our values. Mm. Yeah. And that was the question I was going to ask you. I mean, so it's it's kind of somewhat simple to sit down with a blank journal beginning of the year and start to work out these values and find that click, you know. And then yeah. life happens. Like, and then the kids get sick or it's back to school or work kicks off. Or you've got a new project or your relationship breaks down or, you know, life happens. How yeah. do you, you know, encourage people, I guess, to keep recentering even when life happens? You know, and like James Clear says, reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. Kind of how do you encourage people to do that? Yeah. So great point. Because we've got to be out there human with a bunch of other humans. Right. And so we can't escape. Yes, it might be easy seated by yourself in a sweet coffee shop nook doing your values and be like, look at me. I'm killing this year. However, the true challenge is when life does get busy. Mm. And so I would say refer to your learning style, which is interesting for us. Do we know what it is? Refer to your learning style. So are you a visual learner? You know, are you an experiential tactile learner? Are you an audio learner, right? Like, look at the way you operate in the world. Mm. If you're a journaler, if you're a person that needs accountability from another human, check in on where you've been most successful in your life thus far. Because there's most likely breadcrumbs, Hansel and Gretel style, that will show you the schedule that actually serves and works for you. So for me, Brooke, I've got to have my values visible Mm -hmm. or else it's like, 
a sweet inspirational thing I did for 60 minutes and felt good. And then I went along with life and got sucked into that weird change current. So for me, they're posted on hot pink post-its on my mirror. And this is the word and a couple definitions. Um, I used to keep them on my, my laptop computer on these little open squares. Perhaps they're the background of your iPhone. Perhaps you gift your best friend an email with your values in them and say, hey, check in on me every month and I'll, I'll buy you a coffee. Right. Once a month, coffee on me. So find your, what Gretchen Rubin calls tendencies. She has this really cool quiz called the four tendencies. You can learn your style of being. I am an obliger, which means I do really well when someone's checking in on me or someone's definitely grading me. <laughs> so I do well when I have a, a partner. I do well when someone's watching me. I do really well with deadlines. And so when I operate that way, I get my values visible. Three people, my, my husband, my business partner, Mary Beth, and my other best friend, Alex, they know my values so they can check in on me when I start to feel a little funky. And listen, I know I'm going to get funky. I'm a human. And so they can say, Jackie, sounds like you need to go for a hike. Sounds like you need to um, sign up for a new training or go read a book, whatever it may be to recalibrate to my center. And so I would say, check in on the way you learn and serve yourself with your values that way. Such good advice. That's wonderful advice. And I'd never kind of made that connection between doing the, the head work and the heart work of figuring out your values, but then also figuring out how you are best motivated, how you best learn and using that as the tool, you know, to keep coming yeah. back because we all backslide. We all do, you know, but to have that strategy in place, like have past Jackie to thank, you know, future Jackie can thank past Jackie for putting those systems in place ahead of time because, you know, the, the backslide isn't a maybe, it's inevitable. You know, I think we all have, oh, we all have yeah. times. Yeah. So I, I really like that. Wait, that's great homework for you, for me, for everyone right now, wherever this is January, February, when this drops, bro, let's do that. Get out a piece of paper and write your past self a thank you note. Thank you for doing this so I could know this. Thank you for failing at this so I could meet this person. Thank you for doing this. It's such a cool exercise where gratitude is a pathway to how we learn as well as the goals we want when we thank ourselves for who we were and who we weren't. Mm. So homework assigned. Boom. Love it. Excellent. Yeah. If you want to send it to me, good God, put it in my email. I'll love it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I've just literally jotted down a note. Right past self a thank you note. All right. I'm going to yeah. send it to you. <laughs> um, so yes. All right. One thing that really struck me as you were explaining how you have developed those tools and that accountability for coming back and re-centering is that you have a crew of people who get you. And is that something that you have developed intentionally to have your two, like your two best friends and your husband who are really in your corner? Like, is that something you set out to do or is that something that you have just sort of developed gradually over time? Yeah, I think it's a combination probably of every self-help book I've read and learning from my <laughs> mistakes. But I would say also, I read two examples of this. One was, Mary Beth actually had me read um, Martha Beck's True North book. Mm -hmm. And it had an exercise of looking at your five people in your life that you really hold your standard to. 
And usually the five people aren't the right five people. Hmm. And it was insane. I had like one person in there from like my early 20s who I don't even talk to. But there was like a record of judgment that, you know, not her fault, but that I have heard that I had heard from her that I was like, oh, I'm holding my standard to this random human I don't even talk to. And so, you you know, you rewrite the five people you want to be helping you. You want to be holding you accountable. You want more in your life. And actually, Brene Brown just talked about it in her new book, um, Dare to Lead. It's in there as well. Like, check in on who's holding you to a standard. And it's your people you've chosen. And it might be some random person you've never met on Instagram that you have as your person in your corner, inadvertently, unconsciously. And so through that exercise, I was like, wow, it's time for me to build this cohort or what my teacher calls the board of directors. Mm -hmm. Time to build my board of directors for my life and make sure they know it. And Chris, obviously my husband, oh my God, he's so intuitive and smart. And he's, he's actually really good at slowing down. And so I married him on purpose, Brooke (laughs) And, and Mary Beth and a couple other people are in my corner on purpose so I can learn from them. They can hold me to my truth and recenter me when I'm in a whole nother land of judgment, doubt, worry, whatever it may be that creates the funk. Yeah, I love it. Living completely with intention. Like those decisions are some of the most important decisions that we could possibly make for ourselves, you know, who, oh. you, who you surround yourself with. So you're, you're the mom of two young girls. You run yes. a business, you're coaching, you are hiking, you run community programs, you're teaching yin yoga, you're running gratitude journaling sessions in your home, which I want to talk to you about in a minute. One question that I'm always fascinated to dive into with people is this idea of balance. What are your thoughts on balance? Do you think it's achievable, you know, to have a balanced life? Oh God, what a question. Okay. Let me sit up straight to answer. So I think the answer is yes, but I have to add an addendum. Yes, balance on your terms, day to day, moment to moment. Yeah, I don't believe in a one size fits all balance. As you know, I'm a word junkie. I have people define their values. I have people define what balance means to them. Mm. A lot of times, we're operating on a social standard or an ideal of balance. We're operating on the Joneses next door's balance. Or, which I love your dear Mr. Jones's letter in the beginning of the slow book, like obsessed, should get it framed, might do it. And yet when we take time to recognize the balance, when we choose to define it, as I define it, is actually very fluid. And so I never look to have perfect balance. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing. Mm -hmm. But I seek to have balance in my weeks, in my months and thus my years. And so where today might be a very heavy phone call day, in my planning, I can make tomorrow a very creative day. And so I look at what I need and want for my life through my values, of course, as a guide, as well as through any creative desires I'm feeling this month, whatever it is, Brooke, emotionally, hormonally, moon phase, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And I look at balance as something that 
I want to feel like you talked about earlier values in regards to what does peace feel like? What does enoughness feel like? And that's where I create balance from. It's never in a place of this old school scale that personal life and professional life have to be exactly equal. I find that to be a very stressful battle. I tried that. It doesn't work. No, it's damaging. I think I genuinely yeah. think that that idea and that it's continuing to be peddled, although not as much as it used to be, is damaging because it, it tells us that, you know, professional life, personal life needs to remain equal and our energies need to remain equal across across those things at all times. And that any kind of wobble, any kind of mm-hmm. any day where, you know, you don't get home in time to bath the kids or any day where uh, you don't get on top of your emails, like they're failures. And I think that that notion is just devastating to people. It really is. So I'm with you 100%. The idea of balance is, first of all, personal, but also it's a long-term thing. I mean, I like to look back over the past year and say, do I feel like the important areas of my life have been given the energy they deserve over this past year? And I mean, a couple of things happen. I think you're far more likely to be compassionate and understanding towards yourself um, over the period of a year with that perspective than if you ask yourself at the end of a bad day, how am I doing? But also, you know, you get to see big picture, what things are important, what things do make the cut and what little concerns that might stress us out in the day, they don't register at all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear something interesting? I do. I would say my definition of balance has failure in it. Mm. So look at your grand scope of life, failed relationships, failed tests, failed businesses, failed pivots and projects. I have billions. Oh my God, I have so many. And so many of those failures led to new idea, a new possibility, or a new human that actually allowed me possibility and a different pivot and a different project that was successful. And so for me, again, you guys, we might need to redefine failure mm-hmm. because a big fat F in, in my life in the US of A equaled not enough, equaled not doing great, whatever it may be. And what I see now as failure is me being alive. It means I'm offering up and I'm learning every failure. If I choose to, I've learned from, and oh my God, I'm so happy. I failed so many of those boyfriends before Chris, because (laughs) no way, no way. And so balance, it has an element of success and failure in it. If we can choose to embrace that wasn't our ship, that wasn't our person, that wasn't our moment. And that's so challenging. Holy crap. There's life right there. Yeah. Like facing up to times where we didn't feel enough um, is devastating. (laughs) It's devastating to learn how to get through it. Uh, It's so interesting that you brought that up because I was journaling about this just today, the idea of failing. Yeah, synchronicity. I mean, it's much the same. I mean, if even people have listened to the podcast from the beginning would have seen me go through about – Oh, I don't know, four or five different like businessy iterations, you know, different things that I was trying, different programs I was running, like ran a podcast network for a year and all these different things that if I allowed myself to see them that way would feel like these heavy black marks against my success rate at life. But every single one of them has taught me 
something about myself, um, what I want, mm-hmm. what I don't want, how I operate best, how I definitely don't operate best, how I bring my best to people, how I best serve people, all of these things. And it's it, it, there's so much liberation in acknowledging that failure is something to be celebrated, you know? Yeah. 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 I call it failing forward. Right. We can either choose. It's a choice, Brooke. We can fail backwards. Mm-hmm. And some of us will stay in that cycle or failure zone because it's safe. It's safe there. We know what's going to happen. I've done that. Of course. And yeah. some of us step out into enoughness and uncertainty. Oh, man. Mm. And that is that is the biggest journey. That, I mean, that's my, been one of my biggest lessons in parenting and really in recognizing when I slow down enough that I don't have complete control. Nor is it great when I do. (laughs) (laughs) It never goes well when I'm really gripping and white knuckling life. And I have to turn on that 38 special song. Hold on loosely, Mm -hmm. but don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. And that has been such a cool 80s song for my life. I love that you have an 80s motto song. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to listen to it after our call. So am I. Um, so there's something about ease, isn't there? You know, finding that 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 kind of sweet spot of ease. Like Ben and I often talk about how we make big decisions, you know, yeah. uh, and how like they will come up a year before we make them. Like we'll have conversations about them and we'll kind of explore and test the boundaries, but there's no ease there. You know, there's no – and it's not a matter of certainty or anything. It's still hard work and it's still risk and it's still scary, but there's ease there. So when we decided to sell our house, we'd been backing and forthing for six months. And then one day we're like, we found we found the ease. And I think it's process. You need to process these, these changes if you're shifting into yeah. uncertainty or, you know, out of your comfort zone. You kind of need to process it, but then I guess there's – Again, balance. There's this, there's there's times to push and there's times to wait for ease. I suppose. Do you find that yourself, or are you always oh, yeah. kind of expanding? I mean, I love being in the expansion, and also, I do think there's time to let the expansion rest and explore what you've learned, who you've become, and right. I'll skip that part sometimes, and it doesn't serve me because I'll miss out on parts of myself that I was. Mm. And what I'm hearing with ease is really this access to being in the now, in the moment, in the experience versus the expectation. Cause that's, Oh, we were, I mean, my second child does not sleep Mm. and she is really loud. I mean, loud. I call her birdie a nickname because she squawks like something I've never experienced. And I think I had an expectation that she would have been just like my first daughter sleeping through the night at three months. And really, I'm going to use that word easy. Mm. And listen, she is her own person. And when I try to make her my first child, I make things really hard. When I try to have an expectation that you should, that should work, you should be sleeping through the night by now, that isn't serving either of us. And I make parenting two children around the age of two and six months very, very difficult. 
And what I recognized is when I can meet her and I in the moment and be like, oh, this is who you are. Okay, cool. It makes my life so much simpler, peaceful. And that's where ease mm. it comes from when I get present, not only meeting myself, but meeting other people where they're at versus the expectations, the should. It's really daunting. It's very vulnerable and it's so rewarding. Yeah. I'm glad you, you mentioned like that it's not it's not easy, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy to find that sense of presence and letting go of expectations and shoulds. Vulnerability, you're right, that's what it is because we remove all the, you know, the armour of expectation and control and we're just there yeah. in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You're like, oh, my God, I'm naked. Right. I'm totally naked. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to ask you something else because one of the things that I – I want to ask you something else, she says on a podcast interview. Okay. I, one of the things that I really want to focus on this year is helping listeners to develop community, right? This is something that came up time and time again during the book tour, people looking for like-minded humans that they can meet in real life um, and, you know, connect over something that is important to them. And something mm -hmm. that you do so beautifully uh, in your own community is that you've developed a number of different programs where you you get like-minded people together and you do things. You might go for a hike and you combine hiking with talking through goals and values. Um, mm -hmm. You've more recently started teaching yin on your balcony, like your front deck, which is so cool. <laughs> I love that. I wish I lived near you so I could come. <laughs> You're always invited. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, so tell me about that. When did developing these in-person community relationships become important to you? Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's use our work values. Let's go there. Mm -hmm. One of my values is connection. And I love, I'm very, very extroverted. And so where some people be it an introvert or an ambivert might need time alone to journal and coffee. Beautiful. I love that for you. I hate doing that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is boring. And listen, I love doing it sometimes. It's really nice. It's a nice reprieve. And I think it's really beautiful to journal. I wish I journaled more, but that's not, not who you. I am. Yeah. And this would be similar to what we talked about about knowing your learning style. Like if I were to journal every morning, it would probably be really lovely, but it wouldn't be the same as me meeting up with a group of 30 women once a month to talk things out right. and leaving literally vibrating. And so that's where I looked. I said, okay, Jackie, you moved to Colorado. You know, no one, literally Brooke, I left California, my best friend, my business partner. I left, uh, almost a decade of connections mm. and again, very extrovert. I did a lot of community work for the jobs I did there. And I left a lot of what felt easy, you know, ease. And yet there was something calling us towards these Rocky Mountains and, you know, children wearing flannel. That was very much <laughs> my vision. And so we literally packed up our Prius and moved to Colorado. And it took us, I want to tell you, a good year and a half. And I traveled quite a bit. I went back to LA often for work. So it was great. I could fill my cup there. But 
to like have a community took us a long time. And I think that's one misconception about building community is that it's going to happen in eight seconds. And listen, it might, I'm so happy for you if it did. It took me a long time and like a lot of tears. I remember one October telling Chris like, oh my God, I love you. And I love all this time we're spending together. And I'm so lonely for that social aspect. And, um, that work with like a big group of people. Mm. And so I looked at my life and I looked at what I like to do. I love hiking. I especially love when someone joins me and we're talking and you get into this point in a hike where you can't see cars anymore. You can't hear cars anymore. And there's something about what we were talking about earlier, getting naked, Mm -hmm. where I remove a lot of layers of bullshit. I'm no longer improving, fitting in. I'm no longer, oh my God, like finger guns networking. You know what I'm talking about? The finger guns. I'm so good at it. Um, I'm no longer doing that. And I feel really raw and the best conversations started to happen. And I found it most with my my partner, my husband. We'd go hiking and we would just connect Mm. deeply amongst the trees. And I was like, okay, wait a second. I'm out here hiking like every other day anyways. Let's invite some some people I don't know. Instagram's creepy. You don't know these people, but they're like your best friends, but they're not. (laughs) And so I was sitting doing my values this January. And I was like, wow, one of my values is connection. Another is nature. Let's put them together. And so I started offering these goals hikes. I remember, and and they're free because I was like, well, how am I going to get people out here? I better be free. And so I remember my first one, like 25 people showed up and I was like, what are you all doing here? And we had the most beautiful experience and I met people I perhaps had met in passing, but then we had like deeper conversations. I remembered a moment with them. And I got to connect on that level that serves my connection and my definition, which is real talk, not small talk, Mm. which is vulnerable and really layer removing, if you will. And so I, I kept offering them. I said, I have a goal to do these every month. And so I told them there, I was like, so you guys know it'll be up monthly. If you want to come, I'll be out here and I'll be leading some theme. And they kept showing up. Oh my God, Brooke, in February, we went to Boulder and it was a blizzard. I'm talking like (laughs) zero degrees. And I had spent the night in Boulder to be up early to hike there with these people. And I was like, you know what? Whoever comes great. I've got my tracks. I've got hand warmers for everyone. Maybe a few people show and it'll be beautiful. 30 people. Oh, wow. I was like, oh my God. I said to them, I'm like, only in Colorado would you all show up here <laughs> to hike in a blizzard. And I was partnered with my friend Jess from Folk Rebellion and everybody had to like hand in their cell phones. I'm like, only you guys would come out to digital detox in the middle of the winter. It was so cool. And that's the unexpected and the uncertainty and the vulnerability putting something out there. Right. I want you to know, Brooke, I did these events in California. I hosted hikes and one person came to one and then two people came to the next one and then no one came to one. And what I've shared with the people here in Colorado was 
that's okay that my project perhaps failed in California. It didn't fail. Those people were wonderful that came. However, I never had like a huge, big jolt that followed from it. And I told here in Colorado, I was like, I was just on the wrong mountain. Hmm. I was in the Sierras and that's okay. I needed to be in the Rockies. And so the ability to look at what you like to do and then go do it and, and invite anyone to come with you with purpose, with intentionality. And like that, we've been saying that big V word, a bit of vulnerability, the yin classes on my front porch. I got my certification in July and I was like, wow, I'm not going to be great at this, but you have to start somewhere. And I think I wrote that. I'm like, I'm brand new and I want to practice. Will you come over to my house and do yin on my front porch? And every session's been full and it's been so talk about being full. It fills me up Mm. because we talk about gratitude and then we lay down (laughs) for like 20 to 30 minutes, which can only get you two to three poses in the end. (laughs) And it's perfect. And so I would say like, when you asked me originally, like, how do you create these? I was looking at what I like to do and what I want to be doing with other people and seeing who would come with me. Mm. And I think that's, what's been cool is the ripple effect, people bringing their friends, someone asking like, oh, will you do a co-ed one? I got to bring my boyfriend out here. I'm like, all right, all right. And the ability to create space that might not have existed before. Because listen, even if Brooke, you're leading a goal hike in Canada, the same day I'm leading one here in Colorado, they're going to feel different because you and I are different. And that's perfect. That's beautiful. And that is where I think a lot of us trip and fall. It's like, oh, this already exists. I can't create it. No, there's room for all of us. We have to try it. Fail? Okay, good. Try a different mountain. Go. And that's where I I find I've created from the values of what I want to be doing, my mission for the world, like what I want to be offering, and then seeing if anyone shows up. (laughs) Right. Which, I mean, again, takes a certain level of vulnerability you know, and risk. But I love that you included, you know, your initial kind of forays into it in California where you had one lovely person show up and then two and then none because I think that's what stops people from trying is the fear of failure. And I think that just knowing that you've taken this and you've grown it as you've grown and changed is an important thing to hear, you know, because otherwise we just see, we see the end result. We see the Instagram post. We see the, you know, the highlights reel and everyone's who, well, like they want to, they want to spread out. They want to find people in their local community, but for them, they see, they don't see a highlights reel for themselves. They see every fear, every concern, every, you know, no one showing up to an event kind of worry. So thank you for kind of going back to where it began yeah. And the other thing I think that you mentioned that was really important was that you went out with intention. You didn't just kind of say, hey, come and hang out yeah, and we'll, we'll do a thing. You know, you went in with intention. So do you think that that's important to have defined what it's about and then you know that if people turn up, they're into that thing and they, they are like-minded and they want to be there? I do. And I know some people are like, let's be spontaneous and try it. And I love that for them. For me. I read this really old school book called The Brand Gap, and it was about building brands. I did brand consulting in my days, and 
I loved this book because he said a brand creates an emotional connection. And that really stuck with me. I'm a very emotional person, by the way. And I find, and I remember setting a goal last year to cry more, (laughs) (laughs) to feel more. And so when I set out with intention, you can have more than one. Mm -hmm. You know, your intention can be uh, goal coaching on the rocks. Okay, awesome. That's really where my my brand came from. Goals on the rocks is what my business is called. And you can also have an intention of community. When I moved to Colorado, I found that it was a very big city in transition. with A lot of people moving here and not knowing how to make friends. And I was like, okay, why don't I create something where we make friends on a real level? So on the mountain and by the, you know, third turn when you can't see cars, then I'm going to ask you a gnarly question Mm -hmm. and you're going to hate it, but you're going to love it. (laughs) I remind people and I set that intention. Like this hike isn't for small talk, small talkers. If that's what you want, I'm going to warn you, this isn't for you. And I say that at the beginning so they can leave. They've never left by the way. What they've come up to me and said was, well, this wasn't what I expected, but it's what I needed. I'm like, yes, yes. And so I find that those intentions grant choice. They grant choice. Brooke, I know sometimes I'm really cheesy. I also know I like to go deep with people. And I also know that's not a lot of people's cup of tea. But when I'm honest about that, then it creates choice. Are you a yes or a no? And those people that show up, oh my God, these people are like a hell yes. And I could kiss every single one of them. They're so amazing. I've learned so much from them. And I've thus created a community of like-minded people because I created a space of truth and choice. Mm. It's like Brene, is it, I think it's in the most recent book, To Be Clear is To Be Kind. Oh my God, I circled you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's, and that's like you're living that. You know, you're just, you're giving people the information they need and then they get to choose. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a really helpful piece of encouragement or information for someone listening who wants to start something in their community, figure out what it's about and tell people what it's about. So if you, if they're showing up, you know, that they, they are showing up with that intention. Yeah. I think that's that's solid advice. So one thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is I know you often use social media to spread the word about these community programs that you're running, which kind of leads me into this question of social media and living intentionally. I think social media is a great tool that can be used to connect and communicate with people, and I use it myself for exactly that reason, as do you. But it can also become this mindless crutch. Yeah. So do you have any tools that you use to, you know, make it more of one and less of the other? Yes. Okay. Great question. And let's just start with the truth. I fail often at Instagram, y'all. I mindlessly scroll a lot and I'll catch myself. And this is where balance comes in. So I want to start with that, that I'm not amazing at Instagram balance. And I'm working at it, doing the best I can right now. 
So with that in mind, with that in mind, how do I post? I post through my values. I know we keep coming back to it. It's like a broken record. I won't apologize because the shit's so good. Please don't apologize. Um, I know. I'm not going to. It's so good. Have those values on post-it notes. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, what do I share? And I'm like, oh, cool. What can I share about connection? Oh, cool. What can I share about nature? Oh, sweet. What can I share about, what's another one of mine? Oh, family. Duh. Mm -hmm. And they really provide me space to be truthful and real. And also, I would say I really used that Instagram timer where it's like, hey, you've been on Instagram for one hour. Like this thing pops up now in my settings where I can set it for how much time I want to spend on Instagram. Right. Yeah. And then I'm in choice. Jackie, you've reached the limit you set for yourself. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) And I want you guys to know right now I'm at about an hour and a half a day. And it is it is Brooke where I run a lot of my events and my business. And it's also where I waste a lot of time. Right. Truth, truth, truth. However, when you can step back and like we've been talking about, what do you want Instagram to be? What do you want it to be? How do you want it to feel? Because a lot of the times we've gotten on because everybody else is on. I need to see what everybody else is doing. And we haven't asked ourselves, what's my mission with Instagram? And so for me, there's the business element. I have two accounts, Jackie Carr, and then I co-run my other one, Rock Your Bliss with MB. And I'm like, okay, what do I want these to be? And this is where I look. I'm like, great. This is a place for connection, like you just said. This is a, cr- a place for business visibility. So that's something interesting. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't posted about my business in a long time. <laughs> this is a place for vulnerability for me. I love writing. And I do like writing captions. When I start living my life as like, how would I caption this picture? Then I got to take a break. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <Get> a little crazy. <laughs> but I love it as a form of connection. And then usually at that hour marker is when it's no longer connecting for me. Mm. It's actually gone into either waste of time, mindfulness, or excuse me, mindlessness or judgment. Right. I do. I'm very judgy with myself. I know that. And so... That's where I create choice. Is this still serving the purpose I created Instagram for? And so you might need to recalibrate. You might need to actually go on your com- or go on your phone and hold down that Instagram app and delete it. Mm-hmm. And then sit down and ask yourself, what do I want this app to be? And then you can reload it with purpose and intention and start to stick to it with choice, acceptance when you fail, and recalibrating when needed. Yeah, I think that that, uh, I I mean, I love how it kind of come full circle to using your values as a filter for the choices that you make, Um, but also like really practical tools as well. I mean, I love the uh, the new iPhone, like the iOS has screen time, which is much the same as the Instagram built in um, time thing. And I find that really helpful for Instagram's the only one that I would lose myself on. I don't use Facebook or Twitter anymore, but even just as a reminder, hey, you've been on here for 30 minutes today. And I can say to myself, all right, well, this has actually been work-related. I don't feel in the slightest bit bad. Or, okay, it's Sunday and I really have actually just been scrolling mindlessly. And then, again, you choose. Because sometimes it's okay to veg out. Like there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's a choice rather than mindlessly doing so. And then getting frustrated at having wasted time or, you know, procrastinated our day away. 
So that's a really great answer. Well, I think forgiveness is clutch because I'll be scrolling like when my child is watching a movie and I'll catch myself, Jackie, is this who you want to be? Is this what you want to do? And you can either forgive yourself in the moment or I just poke my two-year-old. I'm like, hey, sorry I was on my phone. I want to be here with you. Mm -hmm. And we actually, side note, we built a phone monster in the house. So this is a sweet shoe box with construction paper teeth and a dragon tail. And Evie will look at me, my two and a half year old, and say, Mom, it's time to feed the phone monster. And she will take my pink phone and put it in that monster's mouth. I cut a hole out. And she's right, because I'm not there with her. And I, again, do better with accountability. So my two and a half year old is keeping me present. I absolutely love that. I love that you have a phone monster. It's not my idea. Jess Davis from Folk Rebellion told me about it literally 1 million years ago on our Rock Your Bliss podcast. And I waited 1 million years and I finally built one with Evie after school one day. It's so damn cute. I'll send you a picture. Please do. That is very cool. Literal teeth and lips and eyelashes. Anyways, it has a space and she will say, and I committed though, if Evie says it's time for the phone monster, time for the phone monster. Like I can't finish what I'm doing. I have to be able to drop it because most likely if I'm my phone in front of her, I can easily use one doing, I'm doing business, but that only works for so long. Yeah. 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 At some point it shifts into, you know, excuse making rather than reason. I absolutely love the phone monster. Jackie, thank you so much for. Oh my gosh. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute delight. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so openly and honestly and for coming on and chatting with me. It's been so like fun. I want to tell you, this has been really fun. So thank you for making the conversation light, relatable. And like I said, I'm leaving here feeling very lit up, like joyful. It feels wonderful. So great, great hosting, Brooke. Thanks, mate. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.